Michigan on the football field. We don't want to coach average. We do want to win because winning is the epitome of team effort. Every coach who ever put a whistle around their neck strives to be the head coach at The Ohio State University. Welcome back, everybody. Buckeye Bar Guys here on Buckeye Bar Talk. I'm Mike. And I'm John. And today's date is Saturday, uh, July 17th. And uh, we're moving closer and closer to the season. We were officially seven weeks as of this past Thursday until game day. So it's crazy. It's flying up on us. Uh, I believe uh, this coming week will be big time media days are coming up. Yeah. Next week is big time. So media. Yep. We'll be able to discuss that on our next show. Um, so before you know it, I mean, basically we're in camp then. Technically so. today, Mark, six weeks until the start of the season, because that'll be week zero on that. And that's what, what Saturday, you, you said weeks. was Nebraska versus. Uh, oh, shoot. It's um, I can't remember it now. It's a good game. Yeah. Was it a Big Ten game? I, yeah. It's, was it Iowa? Mm, they playing them later in the year. But um, keep going. I'll look. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're moving faster and faster towards season. So that's pretty excited. Uh, exciting. Uh, we'll start uh, probably with our next show. Uh, like I said, we'll talk about the Big Ten Media Days. Uh, and then we'll start also uh, getting uh, – topics up going up leading up into the season about different things for uh you know preseason stuff yep look at the teams um illinois illinois okay Start, starts with an eye hey. almost there bilma's first uh game back so into the conference Bert. yeah bert's back <laughs> I so for, i forgot about that i um it makes me really excited i don't want to get onto a big illinois tangent but you know that it'll be interesting to see how he does there because it just he's you know a power style coach, you know, everybody remembers him from Arkansas and uh, Wisconsin. And the thing is, you know, a lot of big 10 teams have not, there's just, there's different style of football down in the sec where maybe some of that stuff just does not work. Uh, just, I want to crush you, crush you, crush you and not be able to throw the ball at all. He probably will be able to beat some teams in the big 10. If he gets kind of back to where, you know, kind of how he was a coach. And yeah, Illinois got some pretty good recruiting there. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. I think he could do all right out there. So I, uh, out in the West. So I, th- I think the West, I mean, I, I know Wisconsin's your team and Northwestern shown like past Pat Fitzgerald keeps them towards the top just because the West is kind of just like everyone loses, you know, and I'm one or two games. So you're, you're always kind of still in it in the West, but I think the West is usually pretty open and I mean, why yeah. not? Why not be at Illinois? Yeah, it actually is. It seems like even though Wisconsin's been in the championship game for how many times, you know, over since the, it's been a championship game that it does seem like the West is a lot more wide open than the East, where I think a lot of people thought that because the quote unquote three best teams in the conference were all going to be in the East, that it was going to be such a slugfest in the East. And it's really not been. So, I mean, so. No, I mean, we, we can all thank Urban Meyer and uh, Ryan Day's recruiting for that. Yeah. All right. So a uh, couple things. Uh, so basically uh, what we're going to start with today is uh, uh, yesterday, uh, Ted Ginn uh, Jr. retired from the NFL. Um, and uh, we just kind of wanted to talk just a little bit about that. We, uh, you know, we were very much watching Ohio State football during Ted Ginn's era. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, we were. I, uh, we were both in college. Uh, these were, you know, 
big time, you know, watching Buckeye football for us, you know, where, you know, I mean, now, you know, Saturdays are still, I mean, when you get into adult life, we're still glued to the TV every day. It's just, but there's always other things going on in life. And, you know, where when you're in college, it's just like, you know, it was just like, Oh yeah, it was definitely, it was college football Saturday as much. And as much as we try to glue ourselves to the TVs for, you know, all time slots on Saturdays, it just seems like, you know, you, you, your attention span just because of other things going on just doesn't stay glued. But college football Saturdays while you were in college were uh, pretty incredible that it was just like nonstop watching football. And then you'd go out at the end of the night. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. Uh, but Ted again, so Ted again, junior 14 seasons in the NFL. And if you would have told me, and I, I mean, I was always a big Ted again, junior fan, but just being honest, you know, if you would have told me, you know, and when he left after the 06 season that a, this guy is going to play 14 seasons in the NFL being like, no, he's not going to play 14 seasons in the NFL. He might get to a second contract. Yeah. I think he's a good player. It's just, I didn't think he had, you, you need more than just being just the fastest guy on earth to be a big time NFL receiver. And, and to be fair, Ohio state never ran. I mean, it's only really re- recently where you think about like complex routes and stuff like that. Ohio right. state was never a big time back trussle even through urban thing never really ran a lot of really superior routing formation like routes and stuff like that it was always like you're fast just you run right and you'd have exceptional receivers like san antonio holmes that he could do it he could do it he's a great route runner but they didn't didn't necessarily always ask them to yeah and they were never challenged to the point even gonzo who could run routes really well but i mean he wasn't really challenged to where he could probably and that might even made his NFL career better if he would have uh, been challenged more along those lines. It was just that I never expected Ted Ginn to stay 14 years in the NFL, but the dude was able to play and that's not a fluke. You can't be uh, just a one trick pony and survive 14 years in the NFL. So. Well, and that, I mean, that's the thing that's not even like what you were saying about, you know, the speed. And I think it goes beyond, you know, that though, it's not just like, well, it was, you know, you can't be a one trick pony and last that long. In the, just you don't play 14 years in the NFL like that. No, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Oh, yeah. And well, I mean, it's still the average length of a career in the NFL is still three and a half seasons. I mean, they bring you in and wash you out really quickly normally in the NFL. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the guys that can. I mean, it's always said once you get to your second contract and if you can get to your third contract, which obviously he did and. You know, then he started once you get through your third contract, then at least then and then you, there's always those teams will sign you. And then it's like those guys linger on because, right. you know, somebody will bring you in for a season here, a season there. And you, that's where a lot of those guys then start, you know, going team to team. But I mean, it's still money. It's still money. I mean, you're still getting paid. So he still do. get uh, he, he made a lot of money playing football in the NFL, which means he was successful enough. And, you know, I saw, you know, we were talking about before the show and that. They, uh, there was a couple of guys on Twitter here and there. Oh, he's soft. He was never, you know, a top level, uh, 14 years in the NFL, obviously in the minds of NFL GMs and head coaches, he was pretty damn good, he was good and, enough to be on their teams. Right. And it wasn't even that he was just, he played, it wasn't like he was the fifth or sixth receiver that maybe got in a couple plays a game. I mean, a lot of these teams, he was the second or third receiver and, you know, he started and right. And I mean, I think he had something like 40 career touchdowns close to, so couple of returns in there. I think a couple running touchdowns, 30 something receiving touchdowns. So 
I mean, yeah, I was he wasn't Randy Moss. He wasn't, you know, T.O. or any of those guys, but played a long time. And when you think about guys that are like relevant receivers playing for 14 years, I mean, those are like top and, you know, upper echelon guys. Your Randy Mosses, your T.O.'s, your Larry Fitzgerald's like, yeah, maybe he was never like in the, you know, the front page like those guys were. But still, he he played significant minutes or significant snaps for a span of 14 years. So, yeah. and I think maybe the last, I think last year, last year was more like he was a free agent most of the time. I don't know how much he actually yeah. he played or where he played, but yeah, I mean, hell of a career. Yeah. Um. So to bring this back to Ohio state, I mean, he, I mean, you just think about some of the unbelievable touchdowns he had. And I just kind of wanted to just talk about uh, just a few that come to mind. Um, I'll start. I mean, just, I mean, there's so many that come to mind, but just uh, thinking about that first game, uh, his first Michigan game in 04. Now, the 04 team, and he had a lot of, as a freshman, he had a lot of spectacular touchdowns as a true freshman. Yes. Um, But Lloyd Carr, like he, and he was kind of, he kind of brushed it off. You know, it was kind of felt like John Cooper when he brushed off Charles Woodson when, you know, I'm not afraid to kick to him. He kind of did the same thing, you know, when he was asked and, you know, leading up to that game that year, you know, are you afraid to kick the Ted again? No, not really. And then through, you know, it was Braylon. They put him as one of the gunners. And I mean, dude ran right by him. Ted gets faster than Braylon Edwards. And <laughs> that return and, you know, the O four team, I mean, that's Jim Trestle's second worst team um out of his entire coaching career yeah and so you know michigan was extremely favorited to win that game you know they just and that's early I mean, they already locked up the rose bowl yeah, they had already they, won the big 10 they uh you know they were gonna go tie jim trussell two games apiece you know against trussell you know he won the first two they won oh three and you know everybody expected them to win oh four they had the better team on the field and all that stuff. And it's just, I felt like going into that game. I'm like, man, if I just take a play, just not get down early. I mean, they have a lot of, I mean, Troy came in late in that season and then he was starting to get it going. And he started getting going. And then, so again, they end up that point and he goes to the sideline and I believe it was the Michigan sideline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the Michigan sideline. Because there's a famous shot of him in front of like the entire Michigan like quarterback room running by them. They all look so sad. Yeah. So he runs right by Braylon. I mean, Braylon completely whiffs on him. Yeah. (laughs) And he just right down the sideline. Nobody had angles. And usually and it wasn't anything special. You you know, you you dance and dance and dance and a lot of times then you'll find one of your openings or I mean, the dude just went, I'm going right to that sideline and I'm going to beat everybody up the sideline. Yeah. And, you know, nobody could have an angle on him at all for Michigan. And I mean, it was just the first thing that came to just my mind. Just, I don't know if it's even my favorite touchdown, but it's just the first one I always think of. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that that's a big one. Um, man, there's so many. So the one that sticks out to me in his career is the It'll end up being what the 2006 Fiesta Bowl, but the 2005 season against Notre Dame. Um, he has a reverse. Yeah. That, and we were talking about this yesterday. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I think someone gets some penetration in the backfield. So I think he even has to take the reverse further back than what they would like because I think that you know, like it's someone's penetrating back there. But 
and this was so impressive with him, as long as his feet were moving, I mean, that guy was the fastest thing I had ever seen in pads. Yeah. Like anytime he touched the ball and you know, you say this about guys, but realistically, anytime he touched the ball, he could have got a touchdown. Yeah. And so he's running to the sideline, but he completely beats all the Notre Dame, Notre Dame guys to the sideline. He turns it up and he beats all of them to the end zone. And it was just like the most, I don't think I've ever seen someone run a reverse like that, like that quickly that he just outran outsprinted everybody, you know, the 40 yards or whatever, whatever he had to do to get to the sideline and then cut it up field like he did. Yeah. And like, and we're, I mean, we're not talking about this guy right this second, but like Terrell Pryor, you know, you always said about Terrell Pryor, if he was running in a straight line, like watch out, like how fast he was. Ted Ginn could do that though. Straight line, oh, yeah. or he could do that sideline to sideline. Everything, and it was just crazy. Anytime he got the ball, it felt like a kickoff return or a punt return. That he, I mean, he was just he had great vision around the field, and he had the speed to match with it, right. which is not. I mean, that's hard to be able to change. And he made guys miss, but it wasn't like dancing around and going back. And you know, he was just. He, he ran straight to the lane. He would, I mean, he would beat the teams before they could close up that gap. Yeah. Um, it was just crazy. Yeah. Um, we were talking about this one earlier. He had the three touchdowns he had against Michigan state when he was a, a freshman, true freshman. And he scores three touchdowns on three different types yeah. of plays, <laughs> a pass, a return and a reverse. Yeah. And he wasn't touched on any of them. <laughs> like that's in the, in the past. If you don't remember, I mean, it's a slant. And he just needs about one step off the line of scrimmage and it wins the game. Like, yeah, yeah that was uh that was a crazy one. Um, the other, uh, you know, and you think about Fiesta bowl, that Fiesta bowl where he has that big, uh, the big touchdown right at the beginning of the game where, I mean, he just, they, I mean, it's one, it's a great play call not a simple, it was a, it's a simple route, but they put Santonio Holmes on the inside of him and they just do a little, uh, I, don't, I can't remember if he comes in or if it's an out route, but, and that just froze for Holmes that just froze the corner that was on Gen just the second and any second that you get froze Ted Ginn jr. That's 10, 15 yards. And I mean, he got right behind him and, you know, Troy Smith, I mean, the laser arm. I mean, we always joked that, I mean, you've joked that Ted Ginn was always the one guy he couldn't overthrow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I- that was like one guy that it was just impossible for Troy to overthrow because Troy had such a big arm. But I mean, I remember some Ted of the game sp- was so fast. The spectacular catches that Antonio Holmes had over his career where he had to dive to make the catch because, you know, they were a little overthrown oh, yeah. and never forget where he was always like, you know, he was always right there. And um, but that was a that was a pretty wild one. Um, probably one of the most memorable ones though also you know and ends up sucking is the kickoff return against florida i mean it is sucks because they lose the game but it is fitting you know last time he touched the ball was a kickoff return touchdown for ohio state because that's just how dangerous he always was and that i mean and it's like the thing was is like oh it wasn't so much like oh man can ted ginn you know take this kick to the house it's like you're almost disappointed that he didn't get a touchdown every time he touched the ball in a return. I mean, it just, he he could do it. Like it wasn't like something crazy. Like, Oh, if everything goes right, you know, we can get a touchdown. Like we've been waiting how long now for a return touchdown. And it's like, if you went a couple games without Ted getting either taking a kickoff or a punt return to the house, it was like, what the hell's wrong with him? Yeah. Is he not feeling well? Like, (laughs) 
another one that comes to mind was um just real quick uh the the bowl game the alamo bowl against oklahoma state now like, he did everything in that one too you know i mean troy smith suspended for the game and Zwick has a busted leg. So literally, you know that the only every time Justin Zwick's in the game, he's throwing the ball. And every time Ted Ginn is he played quarterback and every time he's in the game, they're running the ball and it still didn't matter. I think, still, I think a rushing touchdown. Yeah, he was running. I, mean, I, I don't really remember that game in 2004. And Zwick had a good and Zwick had a good game, too. But it was like it was like the most basic strategy in the world. And it worked. Well, <coughs> I mean, we've seen that for Ohio State many times where you know they're just so much better than the team across from them that they don't have to go crazy and they can still beat them yeah all right so i mean anything else you were thinking of again i mean it's just just, just real quick and i just thought of this so top three like human highlight reels on that you've that you've personally watched for Ohio state. So who are three guys that, you know, you always held your breath for you always thought, you know, anytime they touch the ball, they could be taking this to the house. Just most exciting guys that you, you were excited to see watch. Cause you knew they could do crazy things. Um, I, I'll probably say again, Pryor and Braxton. Um, I, part of me kind of wants to throw Terry Glenn in there, but it's just, I was so young when, you know, we watched the, I mean, that's the 95 teams where we started watching Ohio state football. And I remember a lot of those plays. It's just like, I remember the Notre Dame touchdown. I mean, that was one of the greatest touchdowns like ever. I'm pretty sure uh, Glenn beat up Pitt that year too. Yeah. And it's (laughs) like, badly if I remember. So like, I remember some of that stuff, um, but I'm sure I'm not doing Terry as much justice because I just don't remember as much. So I would say again, prior and um, Braxton, just because it literally those three guys, anytime they touch the ball, literally they could seem like they would go to the house yeah. at any moment. I like that. My only, I, I would, I would say those three too, except they would go again, Miller prior with the possible exception of Zeke, because it was like once, you know, the end of 14 happened. Anytime Zeke touched the ball, I was like, is he going to take this for like a 60 yard touchdown? Yeah. I mean, that's all he does is run 60 yard touchdowns. Yeah. You know, Zeke's a good one. Uh, thinking about Zeke too, a little bit. Um, You know, I mean, you can throw guys like Paris Campbell in that thing too. That's I mean, true. He, yeah. I mean, he, it was just his, you know, sometimes I think you forget about just how spectacular he was. I mean, it was his birthday the other day, you know, happy birthday, Paris. Uh, well, that, that, and and he, I saw some of his highlights against that Michigan year. And it's like, literally, I mean, he destroyed him that game. He had such a big game. Well, he was another one. You gave him some space as long as he could move forward, man. Yeah. That guy was getting 20 yards. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but Ted Ginn, yeah, he was just uh Ted Ginn. I mean, Sometimes you think about would like when you think about just how different football has become, like would this guy translate into modern college into this college football? And I think he's again, he's just somewhere he would be the Percy Harvin before there was ever a Percy Harvin. I mean, literally, and he was bigger than Percy Harvin. Right. I think he was. I mean, he seemed bigger. I don't know. Maybe not, but maybe, like, maybe not like bulk. I mean, he's definitely taller than yeah. Percy Harvin, but he was pretty bulky. And but he can, he like, wasn't a small receiver. He wasn't like when you think of like those super fast receivers, like I was just you for whatever reason, you think that they're skinny and fragile and, you know, not him. And it's just he was not the, always. Yeah. And he was he was built. He was bulky. Um. 
but he just, he could outrun anybody. And I've always said, you know, just cause you're uh, I mean, he was the fastest dude in the state of Ohio. I mean, he won all those track titles that, I mean, that didn't always equate to track speed. Doesn't equate to football speed, but you know, he was a football player who could run track better than anybody. Like he's the fastest guy I've ever seen wear pads. Like, I mean, that dude, he looked like he ran four threes with pads. On. Oh yeah. And that's like, and I know like, um, it was a guy for the Titans all those years of running back was a Chris Johnson that, yeah. you know, he was always super fast or like your Tyreek Hills nowadays, but I'm Ted Ginn jr. Was the fastest guy I ever saw on a football field. Yeah. Yep. So hell of a career, uh, to Ted Ginn, uh, you know, and, uh, it's gonna, I mean, 14 years, man. So enjoy your retirement. Uh, Go do some stuff. I'm sure he's got some uh, plans that he would like to do, uh, whether it be, you know, charitable works and different things. I, I know that he's gotten more involved with uh, different stuff with his dad yeah. as uh, he's gotten older. Uh, of course, his dad's, you know, famous in Cleveland, you know. Um, so um, it would be, uh, I'm sure he's got some big things planned. So um, again, hell of a career. And he was a, a fun, fun, fun Buckeye. A lot watch. of the, one of the best for sure. Um, all right, so speaking of one of the guys that we just named as uh so Terrell Pryor. So we're gonna talk about the just quickly the 2010 season. Um, there's been ever since the name image and like this comes out now, they are those players that were suspended for, you know, the tattoo five, they you know, they were suspended for that stuff. Um, you know, they're really pushing. They've now sent a letter to the NCAA, they want their records reinstated. Um and so just kind of wanted to talk about it. That was kind of a, a thing that happened this week. So, I mean, just your thoughts. I I mean, I've always agreed that they like, no, no win should ever, unless, unless there's steroids involved, you know, performance enhancing drugs, no win should ever be taking, taken from a team's record. No, no individual record should ever be stripped from somebody because, you know, a scandal or whatever, like, they did it on the field. They they won those games. They got the yards. They got the touchdowns. Like you can't just retroactively take those away. They let them play in the Sugar Bowl for crying yeah. out loud. Like they knew they didn't want to lose their ratings. They didn't want Ohio State to get blown out in that game. So they let those guys play. I mean, they could have suspended no. them right then and there. Yeah. But they did what they did because you know it, it's what suited the NCAA best at the time. And then they punished them afterwards and they took everything away. Jim Trussell is like the worst human being ever because he didn't turn the guys in. And that, I mean, what he, what Trestle did was wrong. And I get people are like, Oh, well, you know, they need to have all their wins back, which I agree with, but you are losing sight of like why it happened. They, it wasn't all necessarily like all the punishment wasn't necessarily just because of like the tattoos there. Trestle's came from Trestle's not necessarily lying, but not, you know, yeah. coming forth with the truth. However, when you look at something like what came out last week about Les Miles, and I, I know Les Miles isn't with Kansas anymore, but why isn't the NCAA like Les Miles is never allowed to coach again, or Les Miles has, you know, five-year show cause. Like the guy was absolutely holding information that was going on with his team, not coming forward with things, not handling situations. And like much more serious than players giving away their autographs for tattoos or giving away their, you know, personal property, their gold pants for tattoos. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Terrell Pryor and those guys that they deserve to get their wins back. 
I mean, the NCAA won. They they absolutely destroyed Devere Posey's last season. Those guys came back to win a national title, and Ohio State had one of the worst seasons. I mean, the worst season in recent memory of Ohio State because they suspended all those guys for no reason. Yeah, it's always been like the one thing I've always said that, you know, why I felt like I thought the 2012 bull ban was ridiculous that and I know a lot of people said, well, they could have took the they should have took a self-opposed bull ban in 11. And I agree with that. I felt like I said that before. I mean, just in our general conversations, I said that even before the 2011 season started, when you knew all those guys were suspended and Jim Tressel wasn't your head coach anymore, I'm like, they should just self-impose a bull ban this year, put themselves on probation. I yeah. mean, but basically they had a bull ban. I mean, they might have made the the Gator Bowl, but I mean, you literally lost one game the season before and all those guys are coming back. You have, you know, arguably the best, one of the best quarterbacks in America, one of the best receivers in America. I mean, boom, Heron is a good running. Is a very good running back. Mike Adams is a great or a good left tackle. Yeah, You have one of the best left tackles in America. Solomon Thomas. He was an emerging defensive end. I mean, he got the game winning interception against Arkansas and, now so, you don't have like Cam Hayward. I mean, he's gone. Yeah, you have some guys gone, but you still have Trestles back. You know, he had and he had a good recruiting class coming into that season. So, you know, they have uh, you know, Braxton and that group coming Shazier. in and Shazier and Devin Smith. And, you know, I mean, so I mean, they possibly they're arguably a top five team in the country where they're no longer a top five team in the country once all that happens. So right. like the fact that you take away a season from them a bowl from them in 2012 when you basically took right. a bowl away from them in 2011 because they were a national championship contender. You did your damage. I mean, I mean, you pretty much, I mean, you made it almost impossible for Jim Trestle to find another head coaching job. And he was, as you said, he was the catalyst for everything for, um, you know, of why it ended up being such a more a serious offense than it ended up being, you know, and playing, you know, when you talk about, you know, the NCAA let them play in the sugar bowl, and, you know, that's correct. You know, a little devil's advocate on that one is that, you know, Trussell's lie that if the NCAA didn't know how serious it was, that it happened a lot earlier. Yeah. And that those guys played that whole season when, you know, in reality, they should have. I mean, at that point, the, all the NCAA knew that it like just happened and that that was kind of like a negotiated thing that. uh yeah, no, I and that. All right, we'll let them play in the bowl game. But, you know, they're taking their suspensions next year. I mean, if they knew about it earlier when it actually happened, happened, then, you know, those guys would have been suspended a lot earlier. And um, but it, it was just. I, I've always said and I know the NCAA is supposed to they're supposed to look at um, they're the they're the rules they're it's about the rules and you know when you think about the old times of you know smu and what the u did in the late 80s and early 90s i mean there's a reason why a lot of that stuff is in place the rules but the rules to a point always got ridiculous and not everything's black and white and you know and even in laws there's exceptions and different things of why there's justifications for stuff to happen and I always thought that the NCAA, they try to make everything way too black and white. And I mean, Tiger Woods got in trouble for once for accepting a hot dog from Arnold Palmer. Right. You know, to me, I don't care. Like, or maybe autographs, maybe there's some issue there because if, if, especially if they're wearing their Ohio state Jersey, 
you know, okay, you can maybe can argue that if, if, if they're signing a pitcher, but if they're just signing a, a napkin or whatever, who cares? And then your gold pants, your championship rings, those are actually your property. Right. So, I mean, I don't care if the university gave it to you or not. That's, you know, they, if they traded it out maybe for, you know, or gave them tickets to a game, okay, maybe that's an understandable argument, but they literally gave away, they have so many gold pants piling up that, and I know a lot of the former players got so upset, but beating Michigan for a lot of those older players was, uh, you know, it didn't happen all the time. Those were good Michigan teams that they played right. in, you know, they got to a point where uh, being Michigan's second literally every year, I have four of them. So I, if I can, okay, that's a free tattoo. I'll give up one. Right. And like, I mean, what the hell the guys can't sell them for money. Cause you know, like you can't do that with the NCAA. I mean, hell, I mean, why don't let them sell them for money and then they can buy their own tattoos, yeah. but that's, yeah, it's, and it's just uh, to me that stuff was stupid. Well, come it came from the university. It, it's a uh, so if they sell their stereo or you know a CD player or whatever, that's okay. I mean, they were uh, yeah. That that's just my thing is they were punished enough. Everybody got punished enough in that. Terrell Pryor had to go become a supplemental draft pick because of that. I'm not saying Terrell Pryor would have been a first round draft pick, but he probably would have after a good season, you know, mm -hmm. because that's still, you don't have quite the advanced like scouting as you even do right now in the NFL. And maybe even in today's NFL, I don't, I mean, with like Lamar Jackson's out there and Lamar is definitely a better thrower than Terrell Pryor. So I'm not trying to say he's not, but you know, maybe there is a room for Terrell Pryor as a starting quarterback in today's NFL, but Back then, I think he definitely, you know, he might have been able to get himself in the first round draft pick. Yeah. He could have won a Heisman for sure. And then when you think about that, just the ridiculousness that, you know, Roger Goodell ends up like, and that Suspending was spending him for five games like, or four games, whatever. Okay, I mean, again, he didn't do anything illegal. Like, and he so, didn't break any NFL rules. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's a different topic. I mean, you know, I mean, the NCAA know, has that, no control over what the NFL decides to do. And, that that was just, yeah, that, that one was maybe even more egregious. And as crazy that as that is, because we're talking about an entire season being erased from Ohio state. I mean, the fact that, you know, I got to show this, this young kid yeah. and I got to uphold his punishment. And he's getting out of like that. That was absolute bullshit. Excuse that was usually me. Like the, that was like the day where I really, you know, I didn't really have an opinion on Roger Goodell until that moment. And I was like, I'm like, I don't like this, this dude. Well, I mean, that's just like, that was so, that was so heavy over handed. the top. Like I'm going to show him. He can't just run away from his college suspension. He's going to have it here. Like he didn't do anything yeah. to break any NFL rules. No. So no, I, I think we're both on the same page. They they deserve their wins. Like, you know, the university, I don't care if they were played with ineligible players or not. They won those games. And it's and like you're right. You're exactly right. Unless they're purposely, you know, doing something like steroids or something that could really performancely cause, uh, you know, a difference right. in the game or, you know, stuff with gambling where or, they're, you, you exactly. know, I would understand stuff like that. And, but no, they, they had no they yeah they accepted an extra benefit but that benefit had nothing to do with them winning or losing a game so they deserve the wins they deserve their records you know but they, they got, got they, they got their suspensions they, they got were, punished enough and that that's my thing jim trussell lost his job they all got punished enough like they should get that back i mean 
I'm, you know. I'm sorry. And like, and even if they don't want, even if they want to add those wins, like I would accept if they add those wins back to the university, but they didn't give them back to Trussell. Like, you know, I mean, I would accept that as a, uh, you know, I mean, he, he did the major violation out of everybody. Yeah. Right. And so if they, whatever that, those wins, it was a 10 wins, 11 wins. If they would come back and say that, well, we're going to add those back to Ohio state's totals, but you know, those don't go back to a trim Trussell's totals. Okay. I mean, I can live with that. What I mean, would, what would have been 12 game regular season? Yeah. So 12 wins, right? Yeah, I think so. Because they would have went 11 and 1 in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, because they're up to they tw- they're on to a 12 game regular season by then. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's 12 games. They lose one and they win the Sugar Bowl. So there's no, there's no Big Ten title yet. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they do deserve it. I mean, Trussell's never getting his, I mean, Trussell went and he became president of the universities and he did fine. Yeah. And, you know, those guys still went to the NFL or CFLs, wherever they went, and they did fine. But they, the university they were punished enough afterwards they they should have that season back and like where does that put the posey if you know that those yards from that year i mean he's higher up on where i mean he almost had 900 yards i think which you know we don't made a big deal about paris campbell breaking a thousand yard you know threshold a couple years ago so obviously it doesn't happen that often ohio state so it might not have been a thousand yards but that's probably if it doesn't if thousand never happens that means he's way up on yeah. probably the career you know receiving totals mm-hmm. it was just yeah it's just it's stupid i mean i get it rules are rules but they mm. it was just a dumb rule and now on some of this stuff that you know letting these guys i mean the autograph thing wouldn't be an issue anymore and you know so i like, mean it's just for what they had to go through it just doesn't make sense. If you take the wins away, then you shouldn't get the bowl ban. If you get the bowl ban, which they did, they should be allowed to keep the wins. No. I mean, that's. Yeah, especially because, you know, I mean, that's if I was. You punish the team enough. If I was Gene, I would argue, be like, that would have been my argument back then. Being like, you basically took all, you took away, you took away a possible national championship team from us to begin with. So, no, I don't deserve a 2012 bowl ban. And then when you look at that, that would have been a national championship. You like, you know, so that's that is even more salt to the wound because you know that actually literally did take a national championship away from them. And I know it's not nothing is given, but they would have. When you remember back what Alabama did to Notre Dame, you know, Braxton Miller and Carlos, Carlos Hyde, Hyde would, they would have ran all over they, Notre Dame. I mean. Lacey destroyed Notre Dame in that yeah. game and they would have just they would have killed Notre Dame because they couldn't stop that running attack and yeah no I mean that's that's what Ohio State did they ran on people so yeah they Notre Dame would not have beat them I just I don't know they like I said they got punished enough yeah. they should have definitely I mean but and we need to get to the next topic but real quick I mean what is the trajectory of Ohio State if like that doesn't happen though. You know, Trestle doesn't have to lose his job. Like it's an interesting Trestle win a national title in the playoff era. It's a, yeah. I've always said he would have, I know a lot of people say that there's still a lot of sourness and a lot of people, people we know, you know, family members, you know, that, you know, it was just never going to happen again because after, you know, when you look at some of those games from, you know, Oh five and Oh, Oh five Texas. And I mean, Trestle ball, did get him in trouble a lot of times and it didn't get him in trouble a lot of other times. And 
Yeah, he, but he started having some really good recruiting classes again. But he started opening up his playbooks a ton after 05. Yeah, once the prior became the the quarterback, he really I mean, Troy Smith starting. Troy Smith was they opened up a lot more. And then even more when prior that, you know, he he it was like he was kind of, I think, building into a different style of brand and right. stuff. And um, you know, he was still his I mean, he was still his he still had his philosophies. May, may I add you, add you, you know, philosophies that, you know, Nick Saban has also right. shared that, you know, I mean, Trussell Ball, the thoughts of what Trussell Ball was and when Nick Saban made the comments the one time that every play, every offensive series should end in a kick. That is basically the same thing, you know, whether it's an extra point, a field goal or a punt mm-hmm. that that's how an offensive series should end. Yeah. And, and so, no, I think he would have won. I I mean, I always said that if there would have been a playoffs back in 05, he would have beat USC or Texas. I mean, they uh, he had uh, he had an offense that could score with both those schools at the end of the day, and he had a much better defense than both of them. So Are they top four, though? Because, I mean, they got two losses. I think they, they, were, they were either four or they were five, and I can't remember what they were. Yeah. So, I think, I mean, maybe they're not, but whatever. They, because, I mean, you probably got Penn State in front of you, and who knows, Notre Dame, what was their record? So I thought we were ahead of Notre Dame. I, I honestly don't remember. I have to look at it. But if, if they were one of the four finalists, I think I agree with you. I mean, they could have played with and beat anybody. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So we're going to finish up on uh, a quick one, a quick topic, but a fun topic. We, it was brought up to us uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to um, the guy over at the Buck Offs pod, and um, he brought up a really uh, good thing. Interesting question. It was an interesting question about, um, you know, would, could an all-star Big Ten team beat Ohio State? And the thought to your mind is no, <laughs> like, but then you, you kind of think about it a little bit more. And I still think they c- couldn't. And I don't know. The answer still no. <laughs> it's still no. It's just, and the reason why I'm saying that is that when you look at your top, just take your starters, your top 22. Well, first of all, I would say at least 12 and possibly more best player at each of those positions play for Ohio state. Correct. So. You know, I mean, when you think about it right now, I'd argue that the best, all three of the receivers are better than anybody in the Big Ten. Um, Ruckert's better than anybody in the Big Ten. You probably got three players on your offensive line that are better than anybody in the Big Ten. You know, yeah, your three tackles. Yeah. And one of them, yeah. So you got three starters. So that's six right there. Ruckert's seven. Um, I mean, Master Teague can. Yeah, go with any I don't running really, back I'm, in the end, or outside of what the kid from Minnesota that did, you know, crazy good last year. And at the end of the year, your quarterback might be the better. Uh, right well, now, I there's mean, a lot what, of Graham Mertz is the other yeah, team starter. Yeah, so there's there's a lot up in the air because you don't know how good your quarterback is yet. But you know, <laughs> the previous three seasons, I would have took Dwayne Haskins or Justin Fields over anybody in the Big Ten. So. Correct. <laughs> and I mean, and you know, most likely you're talking about two guys or a guy that's had, you know, been a year in Ryan Day's system as fractured as last season was that he has already got to learn from him. And I mean, I, I think the proof is kind of in the pudding when you talk about, you know, what guys look like their first season with Ryan Day as their offensive coordinator. I mean, 
Dwayne Haskins looked good, great in 18. Justin Fields looked great in 19. And no one thought Justin Fields was going to come in that ready. Yeah. And he immediately was like a sponge and just soaked up, soaked it all up. And I mean, just being, you know, a better athlete than everyone on the field obviously helped him too. But yeah. So I, I feel confident with what the quarterback can do. I'll still say though that quarterback would probably, you know, if you're talking head to head, it probably would go to whoever the starter would be on the all big 10 team. But I mean, that's just, that's not enough to win the game. That's, yeah. I mean, Ohio State's just better at so many other places. Well, and then, you know, you're going to have people that say that, well, when they do these all big 10 teams, you know, Ohio State isn't, you know, 12 of the guys and be like, well, but in reality, they probably should be. Right. Exactly. They <laughs> like, really should be. Like, I mean, I mean, Haskell, there's a reason Haskell why- Garrett being third team all big 10 last year was yeah. a freaking joke. It was a robbery. Yeah. Well, they had probably the two best defensive tackles and, the big 10 last year i mean oh absolutely and so yeah i would argue that point with anybody um i just don't think and i'm and i'm not doing this the first of all i don't think uh, i don't think an all-star team could beat a super quality team i i don't think probably the all-star team of the sec could beat alabama just because you're never going to get cohesion so there's that argument too but even even if you could for cohesion's sake i mean when you're talking about what one of these like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, with what their freaking recruiting classes are. I mean, they're already all-star teams. Yeah, exactly. That are working together every day. So, yeah, they're, I, yeah, I just, I don't see it. I don't know if it would particularly be a close game. I I mean, look what Ohio State's done in the Big Ten the last two years. Yeah. Like, no one's given them a game, like, just because, what, a collection of everyone's best player. I mean, they haven't done anything to Ohio state in two years. So I don't see, and honestly, I mean, it's gone so much longer than that. Mm-hmm. You could say urban lost by 28 or whatever it was to Purdue, but that was the only loss in 18. And they yeah. did pretty, I mean, I know Maryland put up. A and I don't think the all-star team, but I don't think you could put an all-star team of the 2018 big 10 and they would have beat Ohio state. <laughs> like 18. I mean, 18 might, I don't know. The Ohio state's defense was a little shaky in 18, but. I would have still took our offense against any combination oh, yeah. of defense that you could have thrown out there. Uh, I mean, they showed it like Michigan was going to like Michigan was the number one defense in the country and Ohio State absolutely torched them. I mean, since Urban Meyer has been the head coach, when you just think of quarterbacks and right now, this is the most unknown, but I would have definitely took in Braxton Miller is my star uh, over any big 10 starting quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, that first JT's first year 14, I probably would have took whoever the Big Ten quarterback was. But after that, after what JT did that year, <coughs> it's hard to say that after that, he's not the best Big Ten quarterback. I mean, he won the offensive player of the year many times. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know. I just thought it's uh That's an interesting question. <coughs> I don't think Ohio State would lose. I don't I don't know if it's particularly that close. I don't just I don't think so. And uh I mean, I know there's good players out there. It might be different if it's a different conference. I don't know, but it's just. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure maybe an SEC all team could, you know, beat Ohio State, but they've just have been so dominant within the conference that. And then when you look at when you look at there's they've I mean, some of these years, they have more four or five star kids that they've recruited in a year than like half the conference has on their teams. Right, exactly. And that's that's kind of like that's a scary thing is when you talk about like five stars in the last decade, I mean, Ohio state has more five stars commit in the last decade than the rest of the big 10 does. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's just, they don't, 
they don't match up with them. And that I know you'll get your fluke game. They'll piss you off so much that you lost, but it's just, it's, I mean, it might be more lopsided for Ohio state in the big 10 right now than it's been for like Clemson, the ACC in years That's past. True. It kind of feels like, um, kind of feels like how the end of Trussell's team. Right. Was you were just feel. so much better than everyone. And else. And then even with urban, those first few years for urban in the big 10, even though he was dominant, it seemed like they, they were, the conference was a lot closer to him because a lot of the teams started up in their ante and stuff. And because, you know, it was like urban kind of threw it out, uh, you know, an ultimatum to the big 10 that you guys need to get better. You got to get were, on my level. And or- there was kind of a, and there was kind of a push that kind of embarrassed some of the big 10 schools. Yeah. And there was kind of a push to get there, but it seems like now it's, kind of feeling like they've really fully separated themselves again. I mean, it seems like James Franklin's going to lock up another good recruiting class at Penn state. Maybe that's his like last hurrah. Cause I don't know. I don't know how long he'll stay there. I don't know how long he wants to stay there. Um, but even like Greg Schiano, like, you know, they're recruiting better, but it's not, never going to be at Ohio state. Like Ohio state should never lose to Rutgers. Yeah, doesn't matter how well Greg Schiano turns that team around. That'll always be if it ever happens. That would be a massive, massive oh, yeah. upset. Honestly, I mean, you might argue not Appalachian State, Michigan, but I mean, he'll have better. He'll have better recruits than what Rutgers has had in years past. But I think the perception of that loss, that, I mean, that would almost feel like a Mac team beating Ohio State in a lot of right. perception. Even even if Rucker starts coming out and having like eight win seasons or bowl eligible seasons, let's say bowl eligible because I mean they're probably still far far away away from an eight win season, but bowl eligible that you know they're starting to get six win seasons and then one year they just overachieve maybe win eight nine games and they knock off Ohio State while doing it. That would feel like a MAC team beat them though, yeah. just because the perception that is Rutgers. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't. Again, I just I don't see I. You're right. This is not particularly close right now in the conference. So, you know, and it's probably more than 12 players when you really break it down, you know, yeah, I know there's a lot of unknowns on our defense this year, but I I would say just off the top of my head, like, and I'm not even going position to position. I bet there's seven guys on our defense right now that would start for everybody in the conference. And so, I mean, I, I don't know. And I don't know who our other defensive tackle is at this point. I mean, so three out of the four on our defensive line, though, I mean, they would be the starting three out of four on any defensive line in the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, even the guys that, you know, that have overachieved on their defense or like Indiana that's been recruiting better over the years. Like, I'm sorry, Haskell Garrett, Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith would start for any single team in the Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't think it would be close that you know someone would give them a match that you know they wouldn't start yeah exactly and a lot of our backups would be starters across the i mean that's another thing that nobody says that i don't even think on a fully depth roster that you could take the you could take the best 85 guys in the big 10 i don't know if they could beat ohio state i don't think so i i I don't think so i mean it's just they've recruited so much better than everyone else over the years. I mean, yeah. I know you've lost a couple kids to transfer. The best 85 guys in the Big Ten. I mean, I know not everything's based off of stars because, and you know, there's been plenty of three stars that have proven people wrong. But 
the best 85 guys on Ohio State, the majority, I mean, you take this year's Ohio State team, they, I mean, there's what, 60, 70 guys that are four and five star kids that are on the roster. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have 60 or 70. I don't know, four star kids, like the four or five. I mean, you probably wouldn't, but you'd have a lot more three stars probably in the right in the big 10 grouping than you would in the Ohio state grouping. I mean, exactly. I think if you took the all 85 starter, you know, the top 85 starters from each team or 85 players, I think you still got higher star ratings for Ohio state. You would have to, yeah. with how recruiting's gone, you would have to still Ohio state would still be ahead. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, this is a little fun getting ready to kind of get ready for a season. I like, can't wait, man. We're almost like, there. Like I said, we'll be starting next week. We'll have the big time media days and we're going to start really breaking down the year. Uh, we'll get some big topics for each episode and then we will have our Minnesota episode before you know it, because it's game. Yeah, <laughs> game it'll be here before up. we know it, man. It's flying up. All right. All right. We're done. So. All right. Well, thank you everyone for coming out today to the Buckeye bar. I'm John. And I'm Mike. Oh, wait. I owe.